Welcome to Two Off The Tee Podcast on the IBN Podcast feed. This week we'll be doing our PGA Championship preview. I'm joined by my co-host, Assistant Club Professional, Scott Porter. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. Spent the weekend at the beach, feeling refreshed and excited about this week. Hopefully got some sun on those legs. Uh, the bottom half, but the top half. <laughs> In this podcast, we will discuss the PGA Championship. The venue, which is Bethpage Black, uh, any storylines we need to follow, talk about some of the contenders, long shots, give odds, and at the end of the podcast, me and Scott will both make a uh, pick a winner, including some other guys that we uh, like, and I will insert my shameless plug that I picked the winner on the Masters Preview Podcast. You're going to hear this a lot, uh, Tiger Woods. So let's get into this. Bethpage Black is known as the People's Country Club. Built in the 1930s, it's hosted two U.S. Opens, one in 2002, which Tiger Woods won against Phil Mickelson, and 2009, a rain-soaked event that Lucas Glover won. Uh, It's the first public course to host uh, a major tournament, especially the U.S. Open, located in Long Island, New York. It's a very long course, 7,342 yards. It's a par 70. It's known for its extreme difficulty. There's actually a sign for the amateur golfers when you uh, come up that basically says, this is not for you if you can't play golf. Uh, When Tiger Woods won in 2002, he was the only player under par. In 2009, there was five players under par, but that was during, again, a rain-soaked you know, that makes it much softer. Typically, U.S. Opens, the scores are better when it's wet. course isn't so dry. It has also hosted the Barclays as part of its tournament's rotation in 2012 and 2016. A course known for its thick rough, long par fours, and really deep bunkers everywhere. It is not likely that any player gets a double digits under par, even at a PGA major, which will be set up a little easier than the previous majors there, which were U.S. Opens. That could be affected if the course receives a lot of rain and softens up. The first PGA Championship held at Beth Page is coming during a stretch where 10 out of the last 14 PGA winners were a first-time major winner. This is also the first PGA to be held in May, moving it from August. A new schedule the PGA introduced that will have a major tournament every month from April, which started with the Masters with Tiger Woods winning his 15th major and fifth green jacket and we will have the pga in may the u.s open in june and it'll end in july with the british open scott what do you think about beth page oh man i'm excited so first first off though one of the coolest things i think about this course is it's probably the number one muni course in the world and what i mean by that if you don't know what that is is that means it's a public golf course um no one owns it um, it's, it's maintained for the public. And if you want to go play it, you can go play it. It's reasonably priced. Um, tell them know. about how you do that. That's pretty interesting. Like how you actually get on there. Have you heard this? Mm-mm. You literally show up, you basically get in line and, <laughs> and you wait for your tea time. That's how you do it. So, okay. I mean, there's people there. Uh, I've heard as early as three, four hours before the first tea time just to get out there. Jeez. And you know, everybody always says that, you know, well, Pebble Beach is public too, but I don't consider $800 around to be public. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know about you, but so... Um, oh, you mean Torrey Pond, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, so 
going back to, to the change, um, so not only is Beth Page just uh, super intriguing, um, but also you've got the change in schedule like you just uh, referred to. You've got the PGA moved up to the second major of the year in May, all right? Now, everybody kind of laughed. They kind of uh, scoffed at this idea or that when it became uh, inevitable because they saw that Beth Page was scheduled to host the next PGA Championship, right? And we all know that the the last two times that Beth Page was hosting a major tournament, both times just absolute terrible weather. Both times. Just nasty. Go watch the highlights. You know, wind coming everywhere, vans pulling up, trying to get the players off the golf course as quickly as possible. So I think it's important uh, that we get good weather, um, and I think we're going to. There's obviously rain all four days, and you're coming off a stretch where they've had rain 25 of the last 30 days. So the golf course, um, <laughs> as long as it is, by the way, par 70, 7,400 yards almost, that is insane. But as long as it is, it's actually going to play a little bit longer this week because it is wet. Um, we're not we're not scheduled to get a ton of rain, which is good. Um, it is going to be colder, which is going to also make the ball not travel as far. Exactly. Yeah. So the one big thing about the change in scheduling, though, is that for eight for the last eighteen years, the senior PGA Tour event for the PGA their PGA Championship, the senior PGA, has been held in May. And if you compare it to the normal PGA Championship held in er, in August, that was double the amount of rainouts in August as there were at the senior in May. So they know what they're doing. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited because it's a very accessible golf course to the public, like I talked about. And it's just a really cool venue. It's not something – it's kind of like TPC. They see TPC once a year uh, with the Island Green. Beth Page is like – I think Tiger had a quote saying it's it's kind of like playing in a, built, a big ballpark. And that's how Beth Page is. It's just everything's out in front of you, but there's just a ton of trouble. It's tight. It's long. Oh, man, I'm excited. It's going to be a good week. I'm excited as well. So we're going to go over just a few featured holes uh, so that way you can maybe know a little bit about it when you're watching TV this week. The first is uh, one of the actually few definite birdie holes on the golf course. That's the number four. It's a par five, 517 yards. It's actually most considered a signature hole. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I say it's a definite birdie hole, but as is a trademark on this golf course, trouble is waiting to an errant shot or a mistake. The green is surrounded by cross bunkers, and going long of the green is serious trouble. You're going to see that a lot this week. But this is an ultimate risk-reward hole. Most of the field can reach this hole in two, but missing the green on the second shot could be very costly. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see if people lay up or definitely go for it. The second hole is number seven. Uh, it's a par four, 524 yards. <laughs> yep, uh, number seven's a par four. It's actually longer than the previous mentioned par five-fourth. Uh, this hole, if we're, uh, if like me and Scott were playing or you were playing, it would be a par five. But as they say, these guys are good. Uh, brutally long, even by today's standards. It's a dogleg right. Players will want to cut as much off of, you know, the long distance as possible. The issue is if you get too aggressive, push it right. Uh, there's deep trouble in the trees right of this hole. The green is gettable, but, uh, you're hitting a long iron or even a hybrid or fairway wood into it if you're a shorter player. It's one of the tougher holes on the golf course. 
The next hole we're going to talk about is number 13. It's a par 4, 435 yards. This is another one of the easier holes on the golf course, but as this course uh, is, nothing is too easy. It's a blind tee, sh uh, tee shot, has maybe the most undulated green on the golf course, but players will want to make a birdie here if at all possible. Uh, number 15 is also a par 4, 484 yards. You're gonna, there's a lot of long par 4s on this golf course. This is an iconic hole. Uh, it's in a, I guess a word, torturous, but also gorgeous. Uh, it's another elevated green. It's not easy to hit from the fairway, much less if you miss the fairway. Guarded by deep bunkers. That's another theme you're gonna see. There is big, deep bunkers everywhere. Long is absolutely dead. Again, a theme. Uh, even for the best short game players in the world, this hole could play a huge role on Sunday. And then 17 is sort of their stadium golf course. It's a par 3, 207 yards. It's going to have bleachers on each side. It's got a big hill behind the green. Obviously, that'll be packed with spectators. So I have a feeling uh, with where... <laughs> This tournament is located. It's going to be packed and uh, noisy all week. It's a huge green. Players can, uh, you know, they can attack it depending on the pin placement. But yet again, theme, it's surrounded by deep bunkers. Uh, any holes or anything you want to signify or just signal out? I just want to point out that the yardages we're giving you, keep in mind, this is a par 70. <laughs> okay. Most long courses can't even tip out to 7,400 yards. And that's with two extra par fives. And that's with two extra par fives. Okay? I've played, I played some really nice golf courses. I've played some really long golf courses. The longest I've ever played was um, I played it one up from the tips at Ross Bridge over in Birmingham. And I was not very good at this time. I was probably 19, 20. And I just really gotten started. And I, I just remember how long it was, and it was only 70, I don't know, 7,300. I cannot even imagine trying to play a par 70 with this much rough, uh, as wet as it's, it has the potential to be if more rain does come and fall. It, good luck to the players, man. It's going to take some incredible ball striking off the tee, and it's going to take some absolutely brilliant shots into the greens. Uh, now, the greens are gettable. That's one thing about this course is the greens, it's a public golf course. So they couldn't, for pace of play issues alone, for the public, you can't have too much undulation. So the greens are somewhat flat. They are gettable. Uh, makes it a little bit easier for some of the players that aren't as uh, potent on the greens. But, man, I'm excited. What a week. So we got the players' odds to win. Just want to run through some of these. These are obviously not all the guys, but um, I actually saw what I have listed as Tiger at eight to one. I actually recently saw that's been bumped to ten to one. Uh, you got three co-favorites and uh, him, Dustin Johnson, and Brooks Kepka. They're all ten to one. Uh, the guy that was at sixteen to one when I looked it up, Justin Thomas, is actually out of the tournament. The wrist injury. Uh, has sidelined him. He's going to miss this major. Hopefully, he gets well soon. Ricky Fowler's at sixteen to one. John Rahm's at eighteen to one. Justin Rose is eighteen to one. Francisco, as Scott calls him, that dude Molinari is twenty to one. Bryson DeChambeau twenty-five to one. Jason Day twenty-five to one. Xander Shoffley twenty-five to one. Tommy Fleetwood, Jordan Spieth, Tony Finau, all thirty to one. 
Phil Mickelson 50 to 1, and then I got Sergio and Louis Oosthuizen at 60 to 1. Before we get into players to watch, and we're going to go into detail over a, a good group of guys, we're going to look at some of the feature groups on Thursday and Friday. For any of those listening that don't know, they pair guys uh, in threesomes the first two days. They'll go out uh, late, early, or early, late the first two days on Thursday and Friday. We got in one just amazing group, Tiger My Guy Woods, uh, Francisco, that dude, Molinari, and Brooks Kepka, these guys have won the last three majors. They battled each other to win those majors. Molinari took down Tiger in last year's British Open. Then Kepka held off a surging Tiger at last year's PGA. Then Tiger made a historic comeback to win the Masters, taking down both Kepka and Molinari after they both went into the drink on hole 12. And they start this major together, all trying to become a player to have won two out of the last four majors. For Kepka, it would actually be three out of the last five and four out of the last eight. Tiger, it's ridiculous. Tiger is looking for major 16 and win 82 to tie Sam Snead's all-time victory total. Uh, next, we got Spieth. Uh, Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, and Dustin Johnson. Spieth is chasing his career slam at the PGA. He'd only be the sixth man ever to do this, second fastest behind that guy Tiger Woods. John Rahm is, you know, obviously one of the best young players on tour, seeking his first major victory. And DJ is seeking that elusive sec, uh, second major on a course that sets up very well for him, especially with so many long par fours. And driving the ball long and straight is such a premium. And then we have Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, and Phil Mickelson. Rory is arguably still the hottest player on the planet. He's finished in the top 10 in every event this year except for the Masters, where he finished tied 21st. I've spoken before on this podcast, so I don't believe Rory will ever win at Augusta. It's a course that you normally need to putt and scramble to win at. However, this is the kind of venue Rory should compete and could potentially dominate if he drives the ball like he's been known to do. Jason Day is chasing his second major, his second PGA Championship. Jason won at a course similar in many ways at Whistling Straits. He has not had a great year, but has played his best golf at the two biggest events, the Masters where he finished fifth and the Players where he finished eighth. Then we have Phil Mickelson who has finished second at both of the U.S. Opens here in 2002 and 2009. It would be quite ironic if Phil can finally win a major at Bethpage, and it would be his second PGA victory (laughs) and not his much desired and come so close to U.S. Open Championship. Scott, is there any other groups uh, that interest you, or which of these groups interest you the most? Yeah, so the only one I had down on mine that you didn't go over was – Ricky, Bubba, and Justin Rose, just three star-studded uh, fields. I don't I don't particularly like that pairing just because I, my favorite of the three is Ricky Fowler, and of those three, <laughs> I feel Ricky uh, stands out the most, and that normally means he, he's not going to have a great day just because of the people he's playing with and, and the styles of play and whatnot. But, so, obviously, Brooks, Tiger, Molly, Probably, I mean, consistently over the last year, the three hottest major um, championship players in the world. Um, I don't really remember what Molly did last PGA. He's done well. I know that Tiger was the only guy that he's basically averaged a third over the last uh, three majors, and Molinari's averaged fourth. Okay. So he's had he he must have had a good. I don't. I didn't look up what he finished last year at the PGA, but he must have had a pretty good showing. And then obviously 
Um, you have Tiger, who just won the Masters, um, as you have reminded me every day since. <laughs> and then uh, Brooks Kepka, who, if he could win this one four out of the last eight majors, you're, I mean, at that point, at that point, everyone else that has been talked about as the next dominant golfer, Brooks has passed them all because other than Rory winning four in four years from 2010 to 2014, and he's obviously slowed down and he's gone almost five years without one, that would make Brooks now, if if Tiger does not come back to form and be the most dominant guy out there like he was, that would mean Brooks is right there in the driver's seat for that title. So uh, obviously some great, group, some great groups. Um, I'm really interested – not so much uh, in the play of Brooks, Tiger, and Molly. Uh, I think that's going to be – I think Tiger's going to be around even, maybe one, two under after the first day. So he's going to be in it. Um, I, I'd like to see him right there. I don't see Molinari here. Um, we'll get into that later. And then Brooks obviously thinks going to play well. So I really like the pairings. I think it's they're very star-studded. They're very top-heavy, though. As I was going through them, they're going to just be showing those four groups over and over and over again all day long because if they don't, I mean, you've got one good guy with two either club pros or no names. So one cool thing about my profession in this this tournament, because one day potentially, every, if everything falls right and, you know, knock on wood, and if somehow my golf game, if I uh, put on Tiger Woods' new golf shoes and I get his ability like, like Mike, I could potentially play in this championship one day. You can play your way in as a PGA. Explain uh, exactly how you go through that. Yeah, so it's just like it's just like the U.S. Open qualifying for anybody, but the PGA does it specifically for PGA professionals. So there's 27,000 professional or uh, PGA professionals in the world. Only 1,800 to 2,000 of those are touring pros. Those are your guys on the mini tours, the Web, and the PGA Tour. So and the European Tour and all the other ones. Um, the rest of us are your guys that are teaching kids how to play. You're, we're the ones teaching ladies how to play that are picking up the game of golf. We're the ones out, you know, selling the merchandise and, and really running your golf courses on a day to day basis. So it's cool for us that this is our championship. We're very, we're all very interested to see who's going to host. And it's put on by the PGA of America, yeah. correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So the PGA of America is obviously the sponsor and the, uh, and this is their, their championship. Um, like the RNA has the British and the USGA has the US Open. So really excited. It's a really, really cool tournament. Uh, only thing we didn't mention before we get into the players. Yeah. John Daly's riding a golf cart this week. That's interesting. Did you see that? It is interesting. So he's the first player since Casey Martin back in the 90s um, who's been up granted this, and it's because of his arthritis. Yeah, I, I, I have kind of mixed feelings about this only because – the only other person they mentioned, Casey Martin, for who don't know, uh, I mean, he had a real disability, yeah, like a absolutely. serious disability, and it was an amazing accomplishment that he qualified twice uh, for a major championship. Yep. Uh, I, I get it in the sense that Daly's a big name. I'm sure the PGA is looking at it, that people would want to watch him and you know all that kind of stuff. I just wonder if this is not going to open up Pandora's box right. for – this kind of thing in the future. So just one ironic part about it, th this is a public golf course. Right. But it's also one of the only public golf right. courses that doesn't allow golf courses. Yep. So not only will, Jay, uh, will uh, John Daly be, be riding in a golf ever, cart right? in a major, <laughs> he's also, <laughs> over the last 
probably several, several months besides maintenance crew is going to be the only person on the golf cart on the golf course. So it's interesting. It's weird. Um, but yeah, John Daly always in the headlines somehow. Big John, I'm sure of on something bright. Um, we're each going to go over some just highlighted players. We just kind of took, um, six, seven guys and, and went into a little detail. You want to start? You want me to start? We'll probably go back and forth. Yeah. You want me to start with Rory? Sure. All right. So I'll start with Rory. Um, like he said, he's played in nine events this year. He's made eight top tens. The only one that he has not finished in the top ten was at Augusta. But as promising as he has looked, it is amazing that he only has one victory out of that because for three days he looks like Thanos on the golf course. And then on Sundays – he looks like one of the other characters that is not named Thor, Iron Man, or anybody. Um, so it's just it's a weird Rory. Um, he he almost has a mental block it seems that's building. Um, his game is better than we've ever seen it um, as far as tee to green. Uh, so you know you look tee to green strokes gained off the tee number one PGA Tour strokes gained tee uh, strokes gained tee to green. Uh, number one, and then number six, strokes gains approach to the green. So, in theory, he should be the favorite on paper because he drives the ball better than anyone else out there, and he hits consistently more greens than almost anybody else out there. But 49th around the greens and 71st putting. So, we talked about Beth Page. The difficulty isn't on the greens. It's getting to the greens. That plays in Rory's hands. The putting should turn around this week because the greens aren't that hard. But I'm fading him just because he has had so many bad Sunday finishes in the last two months. That's got to get in your head at some point. I think we can both agree, though. Rory and Dustin Johnson are probably the two guys in this field that if they got hot with the driver and the putter, they could actually run away. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. probably it, right? Get there. I don't know if Kepka could run away. He can step on it, dude. I'm I'm not talking about the driving, but I just, I don't know if I've ever seen Kepka make, like, because both Dustin and Rory are weird that they, they're kind of streaky streaky. putters. Yeah, Yeah. where like all of a sudden they're making a lot of putts. Two years ago, Brooks Kepka wins his first PGA. He hit 62 of 72 greens that week, and he led the field in strokes and putting. If he had, if he puts together that performance, right. the, last, the other two majors, the um, the uh, the the two U.S. Opens and the uh, you know, and then and this PGA, if he can put together the PGA from two years ago where he did that, if mm-hmm. he can give that type of effort, he could win by four or five. I don't know about running away with it, but he could win by four or five. All right. Well, um, I know it's not going to surprise anybody that's listening to our podcast. <laughs> I'm going to start with my man, Tiger. 15-time major champion Woods. He's all the way up to six in the world. He has not played since his win at Augusta. Uh, I think that shows a lot of swagger. Uh, We talked about that on the last podcast. No player has a better average finish in the past three majors. I just mentioned that. The Tigers averaged a third-place finish. Molinari, excuse me, was fifth, not fourth. But there's no other top-ten player in the world that has an average in the top ten. He's seeking win 82, which would tie Sam Snead uh, for the most wins ever, major 16 to get within two of Jack. Tiger is playing and showing signs of old form. He's currently gaining 1.7 strokes per round against the field. Uh, We were talking about this the other day, just to show the 
how dominant this guy was. In 2006, he was averaging over three strokes against the field uh, per round. Uh, only Rory has a higher average on tour right now. Uh, surprisingly to me, because I really haven't felt like Tiger has putted that great. He is averaging almost three strokes per round against the field with putting and scrambling. I know a lot of that is the scrambling. I was about to say. But... You can't be putting terribly and also be in that. It still means he's making the putts he needs to when he hits a good chip. Uh, by comparison, that's almost a full stroke better than in 2006. That's the first year they did these type of stats. Uh, but you got to also remember he was hitting everything stiff in 2006, so that has a lot to do with that. Even more scary for the field, and this is mind-boggling, Tiger is averaging 75.6 greens in regulation this season. For comparison, his previous three best seasons were 75.2 in 2000. That was the greatest golf I've ever seen. 74.2 in 2006 and 74 in 2002. He is the only player in the history of the Stroke Play PGA event to win back-to-back championships. And oh, by the way, he did that twice uh, that's goat status. And Tiger is returning to a venue that we discussed earlier. He won the 2002 U.S. Open. He finished sixth there in 2009 and had a tied 38 in his only performance in the Barclays. But unfortunately, that has very bad memories for me because that was the first like visible signs we saw of the back issues that would obviously foreshadow what to come. Uh, if Tiger can win this major with the next site being at Pebble, of course we know he loves. Grand Slam could actually be a reality. You can't say it before two. You can when you you got his track record. Okay, all right, fair enough. And with what's coming up. Tiger, if you don't win it, Keith Fleming just jinxed you. You're the greatest fan. No, that's all right. <laughs> you can't jinx Tiger Woods, man. <laughs> all right, who you got next, pro? All right, uh, DJ, obviously. Uh, I love DJ uh, Dustin Johnson DJ this week, mainly because of his, of his previous results. Um, so he's played it twice, um, 2009, tie three, and um, 2016 at the Barclays tie 18. But mainly, the main reason I like him is because not only is he one of the most dominant players off the tee, strokes gained 11th, uh, or he's 11th strokes gained off the tee, and he's 19th in strokes gained approaching uh, the green. So he's clearly very, very capable. He's probably the most famous driver of the golf ball in the world um, just because he makes it look so damn easy. He has developed a little bit of the lefts with driver uh, in the last month or so. Uh, hopefully he gets that straightened out on the week or on, on the range this week. Um, he's 45th around the greens, but here's where I think his biggest advantage comes because he is the most consistent putter other than Jason Day of the long hitters. Okay. So of the guys that can really put it out there, he's fifth overall in the PGA tour strokes game putting DJ somehow from 2016 to now, figured out how to putt um, that I feel like cost him many oh, yeah. events and several major championships early on in his, in his career. We well, all throughout know his career. Yeah, throughout <laughs> his career. So he's putting better than he ever has. He's got to be in your top three this week. If you're if you're a betting person, he would be the most confident pick for me to at least get top five. Just because I think if if he puts it all together and he has a good week with driver mm. and approaching the green, his putting is going to take care of itself because he's that good on the greens. So my only can, what happened to Harbor Town? I mean seriously, that was know. bad. It, I mean there it, it was looked, just a weak field, it like uncharacteristic of DJ. Normally he's he doesn't look 
I don't know if something personal was going right. on. We, we That's why I'm asking. We know he's had was... some personal issues. I don't know if there was something personal going on, like Saturday night leading into right. that morning. Something happened because he didn't look like the same guy he was the first three days. I'm not holding that against him going into this week, only because it's so uncharacteristic. Now, comparing that to a guy like Rory, who is consistently no-showed on Sunday. I don't feel like that's that's comparable because Rory has a track record of it. DJ only has maybe one, two, three times where we really have, have questioned if he's. If that's he's been a that. long time since. I mean, he's, he did it a lot early, or not a lot, but he did it a good bit early in his career. He hasn't in the last five, six years. Just a, it was just weird. I mean, that was a weak field. He had, what, a five, four, five shot later one time? Was, I think it was up to five, and I think it got to four going into the last day, but. The thing about Dustin Johnson is the fact that normally and consistently he is just there. He's clutch. He's in the moment. He doesn't look rattled. I mean, think about this. When What's the last big tournament he won? It's been a while. It's been a while, and he's still number one in the world. Okay? So you've got Brooks, who's, already, who's won three in the last two years. You've got, you know, uh, all, all the guys. You've got Rosie. You've got... Just Molinari, all these guys that have that have been playing such good golf, and he's still number one in the world. And he's had a battle for it, but he's still there. So he's he's the most consistent guy out there, in my opinion. I think he gets. Do you know this because I don't. Is golf like tennis that it's all off of what you did in an event last year, and then what you do at the event this year? To where like if you play in an event back to back years and you do worse, you lose points. You play in an event back to back years, you do better, you gain points. Or is it different where you just get points? Because no. I don't, I know how it is for the FedEx, but I, I don't completely understand the world so, rankings. I, I don't, I don't understand it completely. So I'm sure some of y'all listening will, will know it better than me. But I think it's, it's more to do with your average of results mm-hmm. against how many tournaments you've played in. So you know, it's if the more you play in, right, and the better your results are, that that's the average that the world golf ranking looks about or cares about more. Because think of it this way: tennis, you're playing on a on a court, so and the only thing that changes is the type of surface, but right. it's still the same lines in the same size court. Mm-hmm. Golf is so different with the venues and stuff. I don't think they they focus on that more or uh, you know too much. It's more the fact that the combination of the amount of events you played in and your results give you that average. Well, I'm going to talk about the guy that should be the favorite. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about with Dustin Johnson should be the perfect favorite. This guy's number three in the world. Uh, I think it was kind of lost in the fact that, you know, Tiger beat him at Augusta because everybody remembers him hitting in the water on 12. And it was a terrible shot. Uh, very uncharacteristic to make, <coughs> excuse me, that big of a mental mistake. Um, <coughs> I got it. God almighty. Oh. You're good. Yeah, so uh, Brooks is obviously somebody that, that looked like he was almost Iron Man type. He just, he was going to stare it down and he was going to knock the shot, you know, in there. And then there was a chink in the armor taken off at Augusta, I feel like. Is that what you're trying to say? No, actually, I was going to say he came right back. Like okay. He, okay. He, I see that. He immediately eagled 13. Okay. He birdied 15. He absolutely had makeable putts on 17 and 18. But either of those fall, he get in the playoff. Who knows what happens? I'm just saying people seem to add him into the collapse with, you know, Molinar and some of those other guys. Finau, 
But he was the only one that really charged back. The rest of the guys that were all there at the end with Tiger kind of, came from out of nowhere. He was the only guy that he, he got knocked down with the rest of them. He made double on 12, but he fought back. He's seeking to become the second player ever to win back-to-back PGA stroke player. Again, there was a guy named Tiger Woods. He's done that twice. That's GOAT status. He didn't uh, play well in his only appearance here in 2012, but that was before Kepka really was even – I mean, really, I don't even think he was on tour yet at that time, at full-time in 2012. I believe he was still on the European tour. Uh, but, I mean, the PGA has actually been his best major. His last five PGAs, he's 47 under par, which is – Absurd. Outrageous. And uh, talk about playing well in majors. I, I had to go look this up because I spoke about it on the Masters preview. How this guy just shows up major after major after major. Well, when you look at it this way, since the 2015 U.S. Open, I mean, this is ridiculous. This is his major finishes. Tied 18th. Tied 10th. Tied 5th. Tied 21st. Tied 13th. Tied 4th. Tied 4th. Win. Tied 6th. Tied 13th, win, tied 39th, win, tied 2nd. No miscuts. No miscuts. <laughs> this guy will be a factor in this event because, as Scott, we've all brought up, it's long. It's very important to hit it long off the tee. He obviously shows up in majors. He's got the grit. He's he's going to be in you know this tournament and definitely be in contention, in my opinion, on Sunday. All right, so let's break down... Jordan Spieth. Yeah. So, let this be known that on this podcast tonight, I'm going to say some things about Jordan Spieth that I have never said about Jordan Spieth because he's my boy. Right. Right? So, I've, I've made that known when I got into golf was 2015. Right. He's 20, your guy. He's my guy. Right? If Jordan Spieth doesn't win those two in 2015 and the one in 2016... He's playing with our boy Wade on the web right Okay? He's all, he's playing for a spot out there if he doesn't have if, – if he's not Jordan Spieth with those major victories. Because where are you? Are you still there, Jordan? Can, can you still compete on this tour? Okay? Let's just break it down. I feel like I'm going Stephen A. Smith. Don't go Stephen A. Smith. All right. I feel like I'm about to. Jordan, strokes gained off the tee, brother. You're 202nd. Strokes gained approaching the green, what you used to claim to be very good at, or what we saw you be very good at for a three-year stretch. You're 122nd. Strokes gained tee to green, which is the average. You're 178th. Strokes gained putting, which was your thing. You're 28th. And strokes gained total against the field, you're 135th. That's not good. You're 150th in the FedEx Cup rankings right now, and yet you're still in the top 50 in the world. That's why I was asking about the world rankings, because it is confusing how he has not fallen further than he. Because, I mean, even Tiger, like I looked at it, when he didn't play in events for years – it took quite some time for him to like drop in the rest of the Made cuts matter, and as bad as he's played and looked to have played, he is he's ground out some made cuts over the last two years, and he's played well in some big events. Well, yeah, he so, I mean, second at the Masters last year. The second at the Masters, uh, yeah, like what last year? No, two years ago. And, well, yeah, and last sorry. year he was top ten. This year, 
he didn't play good, and he was still top twenty. He's, I think he's well, he likes 20. that golf course for sure. So well, he hated he he played horrible Thursday, and then he played better. But yet again, Jordan, you're playing great Thursday and Friday. You know where he ranks on the weekend stats on scoring average mm-hmm. for the PGA Tour this year? Dead last. Wow. Dead last, Jordan. Where are you? Because I'm getting tired of you you walking out there, and nothing seems to have changed. You. You can't find a fairway, and unfortunately enough, or unfortunately, your putter is not making up for that fact anymore, and your approaches into the greens are not there. Now, the one thing he does have going for him, he snipes more trees than anybody on the PGA Tour, and there's hardly any trees out right. at, at Beth Page Black. It's a lot of rough. He doesn't hit it long enough to hit it crooked, and he damn sure doesn't hit it straight enough to be short. Right. So you're stuck. I mean, you're in no man's land. You have no shot this week. If he makes the cut, I'll be surprised. One thing you know you didn't mention again. I it was a hot take when I first started saying it. His win at the British Open kind of maybe looked stupid, but I said after his first the first year that he won the two majors that I would not be surprised if he never won another major. And I just said because he did it so much with the putter. I mean, it was so much with the putter and just grit that it reminded me like a guy of Mark like Mark O'Meara. Like honestly, that's kind of a comparable game. And O'Meara won those two majors, was a, a good, like a top 10 player, I think, in the world for maybe a three, four-year stretch. And and you just can't, I mean, golf's so hard. And if you don't have, you know, all-world talent, it's really difficult to sustain it. Well, but the thing is, I, I think he does. Mm. Okay, you always like to go back and look at Tiger, mm-hmm. all right, in, in his younger days to kind of prove, I don't know how to cut that sound off, I just got this today. I'm sorry. But, so just to prove, you know, you go back and look at Jordan in his younger days. 16 years old, he makes the PGA Tour. He makes the or he gives the sponsors exemption, makes the cut, dominates the Texas. Mm-hmm. I think he lost the national championship to uh, Justin Thomas, the Alabama team, but for the most part, dominated and it played well coming out. It's not like the talent isn't there because anytime anybody can compete at 16 years old, you have the God-given ability. You have the talent. You can still hit it 300 yards. It's up here, and it's it's mental, and it's it's I don't know what it is, but figure it out, dude. Because uh, if not, you're gonna be once those once those exemptions. Uh, you obviously always be able to play at Augusta, but once the exemptions wear off, I mean, you're talking about David Duvall type short career. Yeah, but Duvall was injured. Uh, and just Still you know, one thing we're not talking about because obviously he's you know struggling, but. If he did somehow have a miraculous win this uh, oh, this week, he would become the sixth guy in the history of golf. It would uh, to win a Grand Slam. What sixth guy in history of golf, which what is a year just, of comebacks. That which would be. is just incredible. Uh, and also, I want to say that, and this is, you know, I've, I've said that I know on the podcast before, and I will continue to say it that in the history of golf, there's been a lot of guys that have won three majors, not four. You know, all four venues, excuse me, three types of majors, all four. No player has ever won the fourth major after the second attempt. Even more bad news for Jordan is no player has ever won the Grand Slam where the PGA was the fourth leg of it, which I thought was interesting. Well, he even said himself, like two years ago going into the PGA, the first year Brooks won, he said, guys, this is going to be the biggest challenge of my career to try to win this one because you've got to be long and you've got to be straight. It's a scoring fast with length. Right. So, um, we're going to talk about Tony Finau. He's currently 15th in the world. 
I think he's kind of being overlooked this week. I know I said he was 30 to 1. Uh, he just, uh, I, I don't really get it. In his fast, past five majors, he has two top fives, top 10, a tied ninth. He's six in driving distance. Um, we talked about distance matters on this course. 48th in scrambling, so he can get it around. He's 18th in three-putt uh, three avoidance, which is obviously big in majors, and he's 20th in scoring average and 24th in birdie average per round. I think this guy actually has a great chance to win this week. He has consistently showed up in majors. He has, to me, the game of a PGA champion. Uh what do you think about Tony? I think he has a great chance just because he is straight. That's fair, too. Okay, so the he has a short backswing. He has a simplistic swing. He has a repeatable swing, which is, you know, from my teaching and hearing me talk about teaching, that's one thing that I try to harp on everybody is there's so many different positions, but you just have to be repeatable. He has a very repeatable swing. It doesn't get him, himself into trouble a lot, and he can putt. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the overlooked part about his game because he looks funky. He's real tall with right. a short putter. But he can putt. He can roll the rock. That's the guys in the Ryder Cup. He was the only person that showed up and did anything last right. time. So I, I think he has a great chance. But let's let's jump Chef. I'm going to jump to Molinari. All right. All right. So Molinari, um, obviously, if not the hottest in the last nine months, the second hottest behind your boy, um, and potentially Brooks, second or third. You can, you can throw them all in a paper bag because that's how well they I play. I think Molly has the most win. You can you make a very good argument that Molinari is the hottest player in the world. Yeah. I mean, he's got, what, three wins, right, in the last yeah. year? Yep. So, unfortunately, though, the the streak of him contending at majors, I believe, comes to an end this week only because – I think he makes the cut. I don't think he's so far out of it that, that he doesn't make the cut or anything. I just don't think that his straightness, as straight as he is off the tee, I don't think it can make up for the fact that he's going to be hitting, you know, three irons or three hybrid. I don't know which he carries, three woods into the greens because he only hits a 280 off the tee. You can't hit it 280 into a 524 yard par four. I mean, think about that. So I, I don't see it this week for him. He could surprise me because, like we said over and over again, he is a dude that knows how to golf. And he golfs his ball, and he doesn't really give a shit what the rest of anyone else out there is doing, right? So we've only seen that one time, and that was obviously at Augusta. But overall, I think he has a great chance to make the cut. I would take take him on DraftKings, but I would not bet on him to win. I actually think that depending on the conditions, I think if if the scores are higher than we think – yeah. The higher the scorer gets, the more probability a guy like him has a chance yeah. to winning. Because he, he's in the top of that list of the guys that can't hit it as far as the guys that we're basically highlighting. But, I mean, he's a grinder. He right. really is. So, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back after Augusta. Talk about a guy that's got plenty of distance, but I don't know what's wrong with him. John Rahm is currently 11th in the world ranking He's coming off, obviously, a pretty good finish at Augusta uh, with his tied fourth at the last year's PGA. Uh, obviously, has a ton of talent. He has the length to contend at Bethpage. If he can keep his emotions in check, uh, maybe listen to his caddy or at least make less decisions like he did on hole 11 at the players, which that completely took him out of that tournament. Uh, he's another guy that, to me, is built to win a PGA championship if I had to, to – place a bet right now on what major he won first 
this would probably be the venue, uh, or excuse me, the the major that I think he'd do first. You got any opinions or statements on our boy John Rum? You know, I yet again, he's another guy that I kind of feel like it's all kind of in his head because he's he's one of the most talented guys out there. I mean, there's a reason he made it as quickly as he did coming out of Arizona State. He put himself in some big tournaments in college. He put himself in some big tournaments as an amateur. And then he, of course, went on to compete at some very big events, and he's won a few. Took down Tiger in the Ryder Cup in singles. That was pretty impressive, too, for his age. For his age, I mean, his age his age reflects his maturity. His golfer's ability, his golfing ability does not. Oh, yeah. It does not reflect his age. Okay, so... What I mean by that is he just he's kind of a guy that that I feel like if he had a good week mentally, it could all come together for him. But at the same time, I don't feel like I don't think it's going to. It's just he's he, it's one of those type of situations where if you're gonna do it, you gotta prove it. And I think that Rom is just a guy that he may not he may not you know blow up on one hole, but he's going to, he's going to kind of just fade away throughout the tournament. Now we're going to go a different way at one of the long shots that I want to talk about because he is honestly one of the most forgotten about players. I feel like on the PGA tour, given how talented he is, he's just like your, your Walmart, your Walmart version of something instead of your name brand. Right? So it's Gary Woodland. Okay, he is a spitting image of our boy Brooks Kepka almost. I mean, the build's the same, the type of play is the same, long, straight, consistent, hit a lot of greens, not a great putter, okay, but he's a guy that has proven that he can win. Um, he hasn't won yet since he changed staff deals this year and went to Wilson at the end of last year, but he's a guy that... that yeah, cash some checks, man. Exactly, you've got to, especially if you're not winning. Um, but he's a guy that... At sixty to one, he's not that much worse than your ten to ones. He just hasn't proven it yet. So that's a guy. I mean, stroke gain overall, T to green, he's twenty third. Or excuse me, stroke gain overall, including everything, he's twenty third. Stroke gain, T to green, he's twelfth. So that's another guy that that has no issues putting the ball long and in play and hitting the greens. And that's what Beth Page is going to emphasize. This week, so Gary Woodland. People forget I've you know watched the PGA highlighted rounds you know on Golf Channel. He was he was right there last year. Right there last year. He played very well. It's probably his best uh, major um, appearance. So so uh, we're going to talk about Jason Day. He's fifteenth in the world. I think he might be a sneaky pick uh, at this PGA. He's you know quietly kind of turned into one of the best players in the majors. I know people haven't really talked about this too much but since 2014 he has 13 top 20s and 17 appearances to go along in that span with nine top 10s five top fives and you know the pga is where he's had the most success including obviously the pga championship that he won uh he's won a pga he's had an average finish of 9.2 over the past five years uh, including the win in 2015 followed up with a runner-up in 2016 he hits the ball a mile in the air, and that sure to serve him well with, you know, Beth Page having a lot of greens that are elevated, and I could definitely see him. His putter has weirdly this year kind of became 
streaky, I guess you call it. You know, last year he had one of the greatest putting seasons Ever. of all time. Uh, and I was shocked when I looked at some of his putting stats this year that he has not uh, done as well. It kind of let him down actually at Augusta as well. But I think Jason Day definitely would be a name to watch this week. Yeah, I love J Day here just because I think this tournament with the amount with the conditions, I don't think anybody like we talked about the two guys, maybe three that we talked about could really run away with it, Rory, DJ, and potentially Brooks, maybe not. When you look at the field as a whole, there are so many guys that I think are gonna be right there. That I think your major champions are going to have an edge over a guy like I'm about to get to, Xander, a guy, DeChambeau, a guy, uh, you know, that that hasn't been in the spotlight. Any of those guys that haven't won it yet, John Rahm, another one we talked about, those guys that haven't won it yet, I feel like are going to be a step behind just because of the pressure and how competitive I feel like this tournament is about to be. So, throwing it to Xander. How many times? I think I, I'm just gonna keep. We've mentioned his name on all four. This is mm-hmm. the fourth podcast, and I've mentioned his name in all of them. And he hasn't let me down. He hasn't won, but he's been right there. Okay, he's been right there. He's a guy that if you want to talk about an overall game, just a a true golf. Something you want to copy and a a prototype of what you want to be able to do, he is it because he drives the ball phenomenally well. To be a smaller guy, he's I think he's five nine, five ten. He hits the ball a long way, not quite as long as some of the big guys, but he's it's consistently long over three hundred. Yeah, playing long enough. He's always hitting the greens and he puts really well. I think his putting is underrated. So he's been there. He's had. I think four top tens in majors now. He could do it this week. He works his ass off too, which it's been shown when a guy has talent and they go the extra mile with their work ethic. That's usually a combination that's going to be successful in majors eventually. Uh, My last two guys I'm going to talk to are both long shots, but I do think we need to talk about them, and I would not be surprised if either of these guys uh, kind of surprise us and are in contention. First is Sergio. He's 26 in the world. He's had a very bad year, especially from a PR standpoint, between him damaging the greens in Saudi Arabia and then the weird argument with Kuchar at the match play. Uh, And he's had a pretty tough season, you know, actually with his performances as well. Up until the last couple events, he had a decent run at the match play. Tied fourth at Wells Fargo. He's starting to show some signs of life. And then there's arguably nobody has a better track record at this particular venue than Sergio Garcia. Uh, he had a tied fourth and a top ten in his two U.S. Opens held at Bethpage. He also finished tied third here in 2002 or 12 at the Barclays. Now he did squander a three-shot lead on Sunday, but Sergio normally does very well on any course that puts a premium on driving the ball and precisely hitting your approaches to the greens. Sergio is the kind of guy that. I think, you know, we kind of talked about we think that there's a chance that the conditions are going to be difficult, scoring's not going to be really low. If you look at Sergio historically, most of the majors that he kind of contends in that you don't expect 
or at venues like that where he just basically out ball strikes people, mm-hmm. and he definitely has the ability to do that at this golf course. For sure. Uh, Sergio is he's, – he's shown that he can still not only uh, compete, he can win. I mean, he just won the Masters two years ago. So anybody that, that can break through after that long of a drought with no major championship – and then to break through, and I know he hasn't played up to that form the last couple of years, but his stats are right there. They're not they're not perfect, and he certainly wants to get better. Specifically, driving the golf ball. Um, you know, he's he's always been consistent, and he's always been there. He hasn't he hasn't shown just the fearlessness that we once saw with him. But if he gets there and he's confident with driver, he's a streaky putter too. Oh yeah, he's a streaky putter, so he could definitely do it. And then uh, the other guy is Phil. He's 23rd in the world. Arguably the only other guy that's better at this golf course than. That's what I was just about to say. He's also had a lot of success at Bethpage. He had runners-up at both U.S. Opens, which we mentioned kind of in the opening. He had a tied 38th in 2012 and a tied 12th in 2016 at the Barclays when it was at Bethpage. He has spoken, I mean, at length about how much he loves this course, its fans, the people in the area, uh, and they love him right back. Phil might, seriously, and I'm not, you know, how big of a Tiger fan I am, he might honestly be the one guy in this field this week that is actually going to have the crowd behind him more than Tiger Woods. Like, seriously. Right. Maybe. But, I mean, it's going to be close. Uh, and as we mentioned in the, you know, the featured pairings, it's just the irony and just kind of, it's Phil Mickelson's career. Like, would it not be Phil Mickelson's career that he wins at a venue that's hosted two U.S. Opens? Right. He finished second in both of them. We all know he's had six runner-ups in U.S. Opens. He just can't get over the hump there. And then he wins a major at a venue that he had two runners-up at in the U.S. Open. And it's a PGA Championship and not the U.S. Open he needs uh, to be the Grand Slam. But I'm going to tell you. And I, I, I've told people before, I, I, I was really a Phil hater for a long time. Huge Tiger fan. I mean, it's not rocket science. Why? I really came to respect Phil. It started when he won the, the British Open. I just thought that was such a gutsy performance on a golf course that was A, hard as hell, and B, it doesn't fit his game. And if Phil wins a second PGA at, what now, 48, 47? He's getting up there. I believe he'd be the oldest golfer ever to win a major, yep. right? Mm-hmm. You're starting to look then where Phil climbs further and further up that pantheon of no all-time greats. No because, I, I, again, we talked about this, I think, either two podcasts ago or maybe it was three, that I believe the tour continues to get harder, wins are harder. And if he has now, I believe it would be, what, six, would it be seven? Yeah, it would be six majors like 44 wins right. on the PGA Tour, that, that's getting it done. You got anything you want to say on Phil? Oh, man. I'm going to be ecstatic <laughs> if Phil makes a run. Not only for my uh, staff company, I'm on Callaway staff. Um, so, obviously, for, for the Callaway brand, that would be huge. Um, but just because <laughs> if anyone would laugh about the irony of that, it's going to be Phil. That's right. And that would be great television. It would be great entertainment, and it would be so damn relatable just because to be someone with so much success and then to not have a U.S. Open, 
And then to win one where he almost could have won two, but it's a PGA. It would just be hysterical. He would love it. Um, he, I, I'm sure he would not He'd probably count it as US Open, right? <laughs> right? Right. He would. He would play some uh, some Instagram mind trick on us to to inform us how happy he is. But man, every single person we just talked about, I think, has a legitimate chance, except for Jordan Spieth, to win this major major championship. And that's why I'm so excited because going into the Masters, we kind of felt it was between really four or five guys. This week, if if you don't if you don't take the history with Brooks Kepka into consideration, this field is so deep, and there's so many guys that have won these type of events that anyone can do it. So let's get into who we like. But I will say that I think 100% on everything you just said, it's very top-heavy, and there's like 15, 20 guys. Right. But I will say, if the conditions are harder than they think, and the scores are, because nobody really knows what people are going to be doing, because they've never had a PGA here, it's going to bring in more and more guys. And I always tell people, these guys are good. You know what I right. mean? And it, it could get interesting. You, it, it could go from a 20-man, you know, Filled with the chance to win to so 40, forty to fifty, especially if guys putt really well or they drive the ball really well. So now, keep, it, keep in mind this is a small field right. compared to British and U.S. Opens. Um, but like we like we talked about, it's so top heavy. It's a small field, especially when you consider the twenty. I think there's a hundred. I don't know the, the total amount, no, but total number. twenty of them are club pros. You know, they're they're guys that are obviously better than I am, but. They're guys that are out working, not playing on the tour. So if you take that into consideration. They're not getting paid to play golf. They're getting paid to work in golf. Exactly. So if you take that into consideration, the field's that much smaller. But it's so exciting because it's kind of like March Madness. You know, in, in a year where there's not one dominant team where anybody can take right. it. That, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting going into this event. Awesome. So what's, let's do – what I did was I thought we'd break it down to where we have three sleepers – uh, if you had their odds, give those the three favorites that we would uh, say we definitely see to be in contention. But if they end up not quite winning, they won't surprise us. And then pick a winner. You want to go first or you want me to? Um, you go first because I got to look up one favorite on the long shots. You got it. So my three sleepers, this is not going to surprise anybody. I talked about uh, all three of them. I like Sergio at 60 to 1. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you're you're throwing 50 bucks down with 61 uh, return on investment, the guys want a major. I talked about how this venue I think sets up well for him. Sergio hits it sneaky long. People don't realize that. Phil Mickelson at 50 to one um, for all the obvious reasons. Again, Phil's form has not been great recently, but I don't know if there's any player in the world that can play off a crowd like Phil Mickelson. And I think this crowd is going to will him to a top 20 performance. I truly do. I really like him on DraftKings lineups as well. Tony Finau, 30 to 1, yep. is the guy of, of basically those odds and, and higher that I really like. I mean, 30 to 1 on a guy who hits it as far as any of these dudes. He hits it straight. As you said, he can putt. I really like Tony Finau. And then I got a bonus guy that we didn't talk about, but. Plays well in majors, hits it a long way. 
I like Louis Oostenhuizen at 60-1. to one. For sure. That's a guy who could really play well. A lot of people have said this is almost kind of a links course in the way you got to hit fairways and a lot of trees and stuff, big greens. Uh, so that would be another guy at 61, Louis Houston, Hayes, and I like. Do you want to go, me to go through my all or you want me no, to? No, no, no. Okay, so go ahead. Uh, so my long shots, um, my dark horses, mm-hmm. we just had a Kentucky Derby. That's right. <laughs> a weird one. Yeah, very controversial. So my long shots, though, we have not mentioned his name yet, mm-hmm. and it's incredible. The way this golf course sets up for Adam Scott. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's 40 to 1, but... He is top 10 strokes again off the tee. Sneaky long. And he's sneaky long because he doesn't look like he swings that hard. But, I mean, his form is perfect. He hits a long way, finds a lot of fairways, and he hits a lot of greens. Putting has always been the issue with relatively easy putting or uh, greens to putt on this week, relatively flat. He's also 14th stroke chain putting this year. Wow. Put that last put, put that pin in the uh, – leave the pin in, leave bro. Leave the pin in. And he got the uh, – he got the – um, new putter off from lag from lab golf that he's he's testing out so he's playing well um that's a long shot really to look at I he's mean, another guy that last year was right there too yeah a hundred dollars would win you four grand off there you go. and he's already and he's a major champion patrick reed has won here in 2016 at the barclays um he's 40 to one you never know what you're going to get with him um i think he's one of the craziest people out there to be honest with you but he feeds off the crowds if he gets somewhat of a negative reaction from the crowds, you might see him get fired up and, and fire a low round, you know, one of the first two days. And then my last one that we've already talked about, Gary Woodland, he is 60 to ones, $100 will win you six grand. He's your cheap man's Brooks Kepka, but he is out there and he's good. Yep. That's one thing. If you see his name, realize that he is good and he has game. All right, give me your three favorites you like a lot and your winner. All right, so I I did four just because I took talking about Kepka out. You're good. So Kepka obviously is in the three or in the four that I like, but Xander, he's just always there. He's gonna break through eventually. I have all the confidence in the world. Team Callaway, Xander Shoffley, uh, Tony Finau. We, you put him in your long shots. I think those odds are incredibly in the better's favor. Because I think he should more be in the lines of 18 to 1 instead of 30 to 1, just because I think this golf course sets up for him well. And then Dustin Johnson, um, just if he has a good a good week off the tee and with his, he's not going to be hitting long irons. Right. Okay. He just because it's a par 70 instead of a 72, he's still going to be hitting those same irons into the greens. The greens should be receptive with some potential for rain and the fact that they've had so much rain. I really like Dustin Johnson this week. DJ's a good pick. Um, so the three favorites I like a lot, Jason Day, um, you know, I went over his record and, you know, basically the majors going back to 2015. He's, He's very good, 25-1. to 1. He's got a game that sets up well for him if he putts like he's been known to. And, I mean, we all remember the 2015 where he, he got hot with the driver, similar course, elevated greens, and he just kind of ran away with it. Uh, the other guy, we, we didn't really talk about him, but I really like Ricky Fowler at 16-1. Okay. Uh, we spoke about 10 out of the last 14 PGA champions. Never won a major. It was their first major. 
Ricky hits it long enough. I know he's not the longest guy on tour, but he hits it long enough. Ricky is great at scrambling. Yep. He's great at putting. And he's a pretty good player from uh, hitting into the greens. I I really do believe that Fowler's got enough talent and enough game, and he seems to always kind of be around there, that just one of these majors, and I mean, I'm talking about like the next 24 months, he's going to win one. He, Lightning he's, has the pop. Exactly. And I mean, he he's just too good. He really is. I think he's almost like a modern-day Mickelson. It was the same type situation with Phil where he was always there. Right. And it got to be this moniker of, like, a negative thing. You know what I mean? Because he, he didn't win. But it's like, Fowler's still young. Mickelson right. was still young. Right. And, you know, it's hard. It's right. really hard to win a major. I think one thing about Ricky, I think what we talked about, if the scores are higher. Right. I think that's where you see Ricky sneak. Because I don't think he's going to be able to overpower this golf course. I honestly think he's going to make some bogeys. I think he's going to make enough birdies with his flat stick and with his wedge game around the greens, uh, especially at some of the par fives he goes for in two. I think he's going to make enough birdies to be there. I don't think I think he's going to need some help right. from the top end of the field. It, as long as those long hitters don't have great wheat putting and they fall a little bit, if this major championship is anywhere from six to nine under, right, and that would be low for. Oh, players. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's going to. I would be shocked if they get above eight nine under. Be shocked. I, see, I, I I see it around ten. I think I think if it's five. Okay, that's how I reword it. I think if it's five to eight, mm-hmm. I think Ricky has a good chance. I think I think it's going to be ten. And then this pains me. And if it was not for the guy I'm going to pick, uh, I would take Tiger Woods at eight to one. I the fact that he has not played since Augusta, when he is a guy that is obsessed with reps and you know how he's playing, it, it tells me all I need to know about where his mental game is at. And I've said since he came back that he needed his swagger back because he he got knocked down. I mean, you know, professionally, personally, you name it. That went at the Tour Championship. Them shoulders started to get a little bit more upright walking down the fairway. I can't wait to see the walk that that dude's going to be having after winning the Augusta the way he did. Uh, what honestly made me change, because I was going to make this pick just two, three days ago, the forecast. They're talking about in the morning's temperatures as, as low as the low, four, or excuse me, high 40s, low 50s. That's not good for that back. that back. And it really does worry me. And we talked about, I, I'm in the camp that I think five to eight's about as low as these guys are going to probably end up getting, especially if the temperature holds and stuff. He can't have a bad round. And he's going to play one of those two days, either Thursday or Friday, early in the morning. And so that concerns me. Yeah, so he's off, he's off early Thursday. Which is the like colder 8, day, right? 8.30. I think it's the colder day. So yeah. my winner is Brooks Kepka. Uh, I just think he drives the ball a mile. He hits it relatively straight. He's had success at similar courses. He's been fantastic in his last five starts at the PGA and most of all, I think Kepka has got that dog in him. Mm-hmm. And I think it pisses him off what happens at Augusta. I think he knows he gave away a major yep. that would have put him from, you know, he was really spurned last year, and he should have been, that he wasn't even one of the athletes. 
uh, talked about, and I forgot what the magazine article was. It was like the best athletes of the year, and he won two majors in a sport, and he was left off that list. And I think it really burns him. And I think back to last year's PGA when you had Tiger Woods and arguably 40,000 people rooting against him, and all he did was just keep hitting bombs and making putts. And depending on who's in contention this week, I think, again, Kep is going to become the guy that the fans are not behind. Right. And I think there's a good chance that's going to ignite him. Uh, he's the best major player in the world right now on a course that sets up well for him. And he's done well at difficult major venues. I think Brooks Kepka will be your 2019 PGA champion and become the second player, first not named Tiger, to do it twice with back-to-back PGA titles in the stroke play era. So it's going to be an interesting tournament. So what's your winning score? You got DJ at what? Uh, Yeah, so I got DJ. Ten? I didn't pick him earlier, but yeah, I got DJ winning it at 10 under. I think that... You know, I I think that he just doesn't make the mistakes because he's going to be consistently in the fairway more than the other guys. So I I see DJ just because he doesn't have a ton of pressure on him right now. Um, obviously, he hasn't had a huge win, but nobody's really talking about that because he's still number one in the world. Right. You know, we're we're talking about the guys like Spieth. We're talking about the guys like Justin Thomas. Where's he? You know, he's I know he's hurt. But we're talking about the guys that, that are not playing well. DJ is just a guy that's kind of flying under the radar, and that's weird to say he's the number one overall in the world, but that's because how good Kepka's been, how good um, you know uh, Molinari's been, Tiger's been, Xander's been. But DJ is Dustin freaking Johnson, and he's the closest thing to a freak of nature we have in the game of golf. Brooks is there too, but Dustin Johnson, he drives it longer. When he's on, he hits it straighter. When he's really on, he puts it better than anyone in the world. And with all of those things in to a golf course that length and straightness is the major factor in being able to score well, I've got DJ at 10 under. I also really like that um, DJ should already have a PGA Championship yes, at a venue that I think from – you know, again, I haven't played either golf course, but to me, they look a lot similar. They're same style golf courses at Whistling Straits. He got screwed in that 2010 or 2011 PGA. I don't care yep, what they yeah. say. The PGA screwed that up. Uh, so it would be very interesting if he could get that victory back here. Uh, like I said, I'm taking Kepka. I don't think they're going to get that low. I think maybe seven under is going to be the number. I think if it, if it's cold, it's going to be tough. You got anything you want to plug, Scott, before we get out of here? Oh, man. Uh, just always, always, always shout out to IBN Sports for giving us a home for our podcast. This is one of the things that I look forward to most every couple weeks, uh, and I know you do too. We talk about it almost every day. What we're going to talk about, how we're going to do it. I appreciate you and all the uh, all of the things that you do to support this and, and send me the notes and uh, you know where you want it to go and your vision that you're having for this podcast. I think it's turning out great. Uh, two off the tee. And, it's, uh, a, it, it's a thing now. So absolutely. And we're excited. Uh, please seriously go to the IBM podcast feed. I was actually on the RC report with the uh, the main man for IBN, RC Carlton, this week. We discussed the NBA playoffs. Uh, we talked about where the hell do the Celtics go from here? Are we underrating the Bucks? 
Uh, and then we talked some Game of Thrones, which was intense last night. So also, please be sure to listen to me and my wife's podcast, Just Enough Sports. We're going to be doing baseball uh, this week. So we're excited about that. We will be back next week. Uh, me and Scott will either get together Sunday night or Monday night to review the PGA Championship. Uh, hopefully, either Brooks Kepka or Dustin Johnson wins, so one of us can brag for another month about correctly picking the major winner. And if Tiger Woods wins, I may not be on the podcast because I'm going to be celebrating drunk somewhere in the street. So <laughs> this is uh, Keith Fleming, Scott Porter for Two Off the Tee.